This is the Bill Bennett Show, the podcast taking a look at the news of the day, having thoughtful conversations about things that matter. I'm Claude Jennings, not Bill Bennett. Uh, in today's episode, we kind of have a Bill Bennett media buffet here, here for you. Uh, Bill made several media appearances this week, and we wanted to share his thoughts from those separate appearances with you. Uh, so first up, uh, Bill was on the Stuart Varney Show on Fox Business Channel. Uh, he was talking about the importance of America being energy independent. Look who's here now, Bill Bennett, former Secretary of Education. Always a pleasure to see Bill Bennett's smiling face on this program. The president just banned Russian energy coming to America. He said we need to be energy independent. Come on, Mr. Bennett, you know we were independent until he became the president. Absolutely we were, and uh, what we have here is a failure of reciprocity. The American people said we'll pay higher gas prices. If it means banning Russian oil, we don't want anything to do with supporting this regime and what it's doing. The failure of reciprocity is the president didn't do anything for the American people in return. Uh, you know, Bill Buckley used to say, it's not what a man says, it's what a man emphasizes. When I heard that speech, I heard the emphasis on price gouging, going after the oil companies. Instead of looking at them as a form of deliverance, we were there before, Stuart, as you said, and we can be there again. And what is this about pursuing oil in Venezuela or Iran, but not in Texas, uh, where, where he's headed today? For Pete's sakes, uh, does he not understand about these leases uh, that these companies have to comply with ESG, environmental social governance, which is what gums up the process? Would have been very helpful for him to say, we're going to speed this up. We're going to green light this process so we can get this uh, this uh, back back to the return where we were before. He's not helping the American people. They're supporting uh, doing the right thing when it comes to Russia, but he's not helping back. Shame on him. Do you remember, I'm sure you do, the COP26 uh, climate conference in Glasgow, Scotland last year, yes, November sir. it was. It's only four months away, uh, old. I think that the whole green energy idea the whole idea of climate change and what we've got to do about it, I think it's collapsing. Now, do you think I'm going too far? Yeah, well, it's collapsing among a lot of the American people, but it's not collapsing among the elites. Right. They're holding on to this stubbornly. Now, you had a statistic earlier in the show, I think, from Gailey, that said 55%. Did I hear that right? You did. 55% of Democrats, Democrats. want us to drill more and to frack more? Yeah. That's quite extraordinary. The writing is on the wall. Bill Bennett, you Hope are so. okay. Hope you're right. And, and I'm sorry it's so short, but the president ran on a bit long. It's his fault, okay? Sorry about that. <laughs> you bet. I've had to give up class time before to bad professors. I can do it again. <laughs> oh, 15 love, if not game, set, and match. Congratulations, Bill Bennett. We'll see you later, sir. That was Bill on the Stuart Varney Show on Fox Business Channel. Uh, Bill was also a part of the panel on Brett Baer's show. Uh, by the way, that's one of my favorites. Not even one of my favorite shows. That is my favorite <laughs> news show uh, on cable news and maybe even network news. Bear, uh, Brett just reports the news, reports the facts, no opinion, no spin. Uh, I love the Brett Baer show. But anyway, a uh, really good discussion with Bill. Uh, Harold uh, Ford Jr., former congressman from Tennessee, and Mark Thiessen, who's been on the Bill Bennett show. Maybe it's time for us to get Mark uh, back on uh, this show. But anyway, they were all part of a panel on the Brett Baer show. We're banning all imports of Russian oil and gas and energy. If we do what we can, it will mean that no one has to worry about the price of the gas pump in the future. 
the most important step that we need right now is will the president announce that he's going to unleash American energy? Production in the United States is increasing. It's increasing to uh, record levels. In the short term, I, we expect and we are seeing that production increase by about 700,000 barrels a day in the United States. Obviously, important to point out the gas prices were going up before uh, Putin invaded Ukraine, but all part of the day's news uh, with oil leading the way. Let's bring in our panel. Harold Ford, Jr., former Tennessee congressman, co-host of The Five, Washington Post columnist Mark Thiessen, and former Education Secretary Bill Bennett. Bill, what do you think of this move to ban Russian oil and kind of the fallout from whether U.S. production is up or down or going up or down? Well, I think it was the right thing to do. This is uh, blood-soaked oil. Uh, nevertheless, the president's palpable hostility uh, to the fossil fuel, to oil companies, is still present. Uh, why he would uh, prefer the oil out of uh, from Maduro or, or Iran, uh, Venezuela or Iran, over American oil, I, I don't understand. And the claim that he did nothing to prevent the flow or inhibit the flow and production of oil is, is obviously false. So, you know, Bill Buckley used to say it's not what a man says, it's where he puts his emphasis. And clearly uh, the animus of this administration toward the oil companies is clear and present. Harold? Well, first, thanks for having me. I think the secretary uh, has a lot of this right. I I think we have to be focused on building nuclear, fracking, and drilling. Uh, These set of challenges in Ukraine have really triggered two things in my mind. It it has forced us in the West, in the U.S., is leading the effort to set the tone uh, for the struggle between autocracy and democracy in the 21st century. And a part of that, uh, obviously, is energy. Uh, We've seen one of our great geopolitical foes weaponize energy. And we should not kid ourselves. The, 21st, the second half of the 21st century to 22nd century, there's no doubt clean and green energy will be integral parts of our energy mix and matrix. But at the time being, fossil fuels uh, and oil and gas continue to not only be an important part of what we do here in America, but an important part for our NATO allies as well. Yeah. We should do all of the above when it comes to energy and our security. It's interesting to watch the administration answer those questions. I want to play a soundbite from of the president of Ukraine addressing uh, parliament as he talked to Congress here. Uh, but here is Volodymyr Zelensky today. We will fight to the end at sea, in the air. We will continue fighting for our land, whatever the cost. We will fight in the forests, in the fields, on the shores, in the streets. Best of all to Ukraine and uh, to the United Kingdom. Standing ovation there, Mark, and obviously using Churchill's words um, to Parliament. Yep, it, it's it's really a shame. He is such a hero, and he's basically for a week been challenging the, the the United States and the world, saying, "Look, either you impose a no-fly zone or give us the planes to do it ourselves." And Joe Biden's answer to him is no, not 
one of the to both answers. Uh, you know, and the objections to the, the what the polls basically did is they called Biden's bluff. He was blaming Poland for the for the drag on this, and they said, okay, we'll give you the planes and you send them over there. And Biden administration turned it down. Their objections are absurd. First of all, as you pointed out earlier in the show, it makes no difference whether the plane takes off from a Polish NATO base or a German NATO base um, in terms of international law. And second, the Biden administration is providing Stinger missiles to Ukraine right now to shoot down Russian planes. Those aren't magically appearing by teleportation in Ukraine. They're coming from U.S. bases in Germany right. and, and throughout so Europe we don't and think Eastern that, Europe. We don't so think that Vladimir Putin knows that we are sending hundreds and hundreds of stingers yeah. and javelins in. So, yeah, uh, so they have what, the same mission. So are they not going to get the MiGs because the Pentagon says this configuration doesn't work? So here's what the polls have done for us. They've clarified things. They have offered the planes. The planes are ready to go tonight. They could be there tonight if Joe Biden says yes. So if these planes are not flying over Ukrainian skies in the next 24 hours, Vladimir Zelensky uh, has one person to call, Joe Biden. Nobody else is holding this up. Joe Biden and the Biden administration, because of their fear of Vladimir Putin and their weakness, are not providing those planes. And Ukrainians are dying. Innocent civilians are being slaughtered every day by Russia. Okay, Mark, but the other side of the coin is once you do that, and I'll talk to Bill here, you you do get closer to some kind of reaction from Putin, whether you want to do that or not, whether you say we're stronger and we can handle it, the nuclear pushback, the possibility of World War Three, that is the other side of the coin, Bill. Yeah, I have a little different read from Marx, but in the interest of time, I'll just say consistency is not the hallmark of this administration. In terms of calibrating, according to Putin's brain, I wouldn't do that. Uh, he can say any one of these acts is a provocative act, which is going to get him to the trigger. Yeah. So I wouldn't base anything on calibration of his mind and motivation. I got 15 seconds, Harold, but uh, the CIA director said Putin's going to double down. He's, it's going to be ugly over the next couple of weeks. The Ukrainians, their resolve and their strength have slowed the Russians down. My, my position is to flood that zone with whatever weapons we need, whatever weapons they need, and let the Ukrainians fight this fight with even more uh, weaponry and perhaps even more courage. And even planes? Uh, I'd give them whatever they needed, Brett. If they had the ability to, to prosecute it themselves, I'd give them the tools to fight this, fight this effort. All right. Panel, thank you very much. Podcasts have changed the way we get our news, entertainment, politics, everything. Uh-huh. They've rewritten the script. Uh, somebody said to me this morning, I don't read op-eds, but I do listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. We hope you listen to this one. Well, there's another exciting development that's rewritten the script, too, and that's called Masterworks. Okay. Masterworks enables you to diversify your portfolio. This is for investors. Mm-hmm. And potentially protect it from market volatility. And you do so by investing in contemporary art with Masterworks. Ah, okay. Now, I'm not up on contemporary art, but boy, it's hot, mm-hmm. and people love it. They're the fintech startup shaking up the alternative investing landscape. It lets you build a portfolio of fine art without spending millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Invest in Picasso, Warhol. Uh, invest in paintings by iconic artists like these with Masterworks. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Masterworks has an industry-leading research team. And it's created the first and only platform where anybody can buy and trade shares of paintings, giving you the same access enjoyed by millionaires and billionaires for generations. See, now you're talking my language because I'm not a big art guy. Like I sit there and I look at it. I don't get it. But I'm a money person. Give it a try. Our listeners get priority access to their latest offerings at masterworks.art slash bill. 
Okay. Masterworks.art slash bill. Join a new generation of investors. This is a new deal, boy. This is the, the modern world. Join that new generation of investors at masterworks.art slash bill. And folks, see important disclaimers at masterworks.io slash disclaimer. Masterworks, give it a look. All right, this next piece of audio, let's just call it Scholars and Sense Overtime. Uh, or maybe Scholars and Sense Extra Credit. Uh, or maybe we could even call it Scholars and Sense uh, Study Hall or Scholars and Sense Detention, uh, depending on how you look at it. So Bill has a show uh, called Scholars and Sense with Victor Davis Hansen and Conrad Black. You can find that show at scholarsandsense.buzzsprout.com. We recorded that show earlier this week. And after the show, the guys had more news items that they wanted to talk about. Uh, so I hit the record button. They know it's recorded. They know we have this audio. Uh, and we just decided to share it on the this show. Anything else that you see uh, that, that's interesting culturally, not, no, not about war here, but about values, what we're talking about. Obviously, this runs headlines down the page and makes a lot of headlines disappear. We're not talking about the latest crazy woke thing uh, on campus because this is the real world, by God, and it is. People are people are dying. Doesn't this remind us of what's real and what's what's forever? Yeah, well, look, you know, to take another phrase of Mr. Churchill's, he said in 1940, the Finns are showing the world what free men can do. Now, look, the, the Ukraine, we agree, it's not a relatively pristine political operation the way Finland was, but it is a heroic spectacle these people are putting on, and it is in stark contrast to all, all these ridiculous demonstrations and complaints and mass snivelings going on in the West, and especially in the United States. And I, I think that that is sinking in on the silent majority. I think it yeah. is. I remember what Hannah Jones said that this she... She was upset about the coverage because it basically was white on white. And uh, oh, no, no. Yeah, she did. did. And then there was another effort to say that because Ukrainians with passports got on the trains first and uh, legal or illegal residents that didn't have passports got in second, but they were non-white. That was a, that was, but I'm getting out. It went nowhere. So I think nowhere right. war cuts a lot of ice. It gets rid of a lot of pieties. And here in the United States, uh, all the stuff we were talking, you know, arguing over whether Joe Biden said he was going to have a black woman as a Supreme Court and all yeah, this yeah, and yeah. that. When you go to war and there's, there's these dangers, it kind of makes it all silly. And what really matters in the world is, do you have food, do you have fuel, do you have a defense capability? So I think it really hurts the left because they've been against defense and military readiness. They've been against fuel and energy. They've been against, as a farmer, I can tell you, they are against federal water projects. They're against any infrastructure that creates more farmland production. Sure, sure. So these are the things that keep the United States you know, strong. And they're, they're obsessed on things that are either irrelevant or will make us weak. And they don't even like those terms, strong or weak. But then when they go look at the world, they're saying, oh, my God, Ukraine is weak and Soviets are the extra. The Russians are strong yeah. in their country. Why is the Ukraine stronger? And Good. The other thing it, about, about war or this kind of situation is something I've written about a lot. Uh, you know, on the education side, which is the need for kids uh, to have somebody they can look up to, you know, who your who your heroes. And um, Zelensky looks pretty good, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He looks yeah, he, he's, he's sort of the Valencia and the Mandela of the current decade. 
Churchill point. in a T-shirt. You haven't heard that? <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's a stretch. You see, Putin is—I guess he's on chemotherapy or something—but he's he has everybody at the end of the table. That's the strange thing. Isn't yeah, it? he doesn't want to be around anybody. He doesn't want to catch a cold, and and Zelensky doesn't even care about catching a bullet. Did, have you he, seen? He I know this is—I'm I'm trivializing again, but have you guys watched the Dancing with the Stars? You know the show. He won. He won Dancing with the Stars Ukraine. My wife loves the show. So I was going through these clips. She said, my God, who is that? That guy's really good. I said, that's freaking Zelensky. Holy moly. What a guy. I can't. I was thinking the other day that I don't know if you've seen the ubiquitous Mr. Vinman. He's writing off. As yes, yes. Yes. And I think, I think to myself. You got exactly what you wanted. You you were the one with the quote unquote whistleblower and Adam Schiff that orchestrated the entire. You were the call yeah. that leaked it to the whistleblower Caramella. So you're the one that got what you wanted to weaken the only president that sold javelins. And Biden just now has started, and Obama refused to do it, and yet Trump did, and yet you went after him. And I was thinking. Then he bragged on his testimony three times. He said. I was offered the Ministry of Defense by the yeah. Ukrainians. I thought, so yeah. I can just imagine him right now is Minister of Defense telling us what he needs from Ukraine. So, and then when you add the Hunter Biden Burisma into the whole matrix and the impeachment, there's some reasons why people have been reluctant to help the Ukrainians because they it's been a mess and the interference, or we've interfered, or they've interfered yeah. in our internal administration it's it's not good yes. all right we'll he's, wrap ev- he's everywhere he's everywhere he's all right where where where, where most memorably is he i'll give you a hint my favorite tv show my favorite comedy my favorite comedy tv show that takes place in santa monica larry david oh curb wow. your enthusiasm vinman is in there they're doing a fundraiser uh, and Vinman is the speaker. And of course, they all love Vinman. Why do they like Larry. him so much? Because he introdu- he got the impeachment going? Yeah, yeah. except for Larry. Larry. And Larry doesn't care. You know, he doesn't care. Larry David doesn't care. But at the end, he says something to Larry David like, I know what you were saying on that phone call. He said, how could you? You were in the other room. He said, I can do that. I, I can do that. <laughs> I know what people are saying on telephones. Even if I'm not listening, <laughs> pretty damn funny. Okay. Well, am I imagining things or when Vindman appeared in the impeachment hearings, didn't he come up with some bunk about how he'd written his father that he was right to emigrate and he was proving it by his participation in this great small D democratic action of impeaching yeah. the president? Wasn't there some bunk like that? Yeah, a lot of stuff. Yeah. He was asked directly, did you speak to the whistleblower? Because the whistleblower, right. whatever name, wasn't even on the call. And right. Vindman call, apparently called him up and said, guess what? I got some really good dirt on you. I was on the call, and then, but I don't want to be the whistleblower, so you be the whistleblower. Yeah. And then they went to Adam Schiff, who swore under oath that he had never talked to either one of them before the hearing, and he had orchestrated the whole thing. Luckily, wrote this week saying that he's been vindicated. Vindman the Ukrainian developments have vindicated Vin, 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 Yeah. Okay. My comment is I wish Trump would use adjectives when he says that Putin is a genius. I know what he means. Yeah. Can he just insert the word evil genius? That's getting harder for me. It's getting harder for he me. He got to just say evil, but he doesn't. 
It's like saying I, Hitler was a genius without saying he's an evil genius. Okay, one development, if I'm not stretching things too He's much an here. evil genius, and Bill Barr's the worst guy in the world. You know, God knows. Go well, ahead, yeah. yeah. No, no, but you mentioned Bill Barr. He, he, what's happening now, it seems to me, is the last stand of the old Republican pre-Trump party. I mean, they're fighting to retain McConnell as Senate leader and, and uh, to, to, to sell the idea that Trump, you know, Trumpism was good, but Trump is bad. And and I, I was a bit disappointed in Bill Barr. I thought he was a very distinguished man. And he's a distinguished man. But, I, I, you know, for him to get on that bandwagon, I think it's pretty shabby. But there's a role. Uh, there's a role I don't think, and you know, I think there's a role that if you are appointed to a prestigious post by a president, and when you were appointed, appointed you had a status that was pretty much not going to get you appointed. And somebody does that and brings you back into the limelight, then you have some modica, modicum of gratitude not to write a tell-all, embarrassing hit piece. Uh, exactly. Former, I, I mean, he, he he did him a great honor appointing him attorney general, and and he was very free of loyalty. I think. I think he was a good uh, man. But he did a lot of good so things. He just shouldn't. He shouldn't be writing a tell-all about his former. It's uh, harder for me. Lawyer. I haven't read the book. I, I'm told it's. The all that's told is mostly about the end. Yeah, I know because we know Barr was defending the hell out of the president for a long, long time. He did. Yeah, it took, took a lot of arrows for him. So I, I think he's misrepresented the election a bit. I mean, I, he's absolutely right that Trump had a, 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 a sort of, a, a, you know, a, a Halloween trick or treat operation with Giuliani <laughs> instead of a serious legal uh, a response. Trump predicted the problems with ballot harvesting, and he didn't have the team in place to deal with it when it came. Trump, that's you know, right. That's very important. But, what you just said. Yeah, the and, right and Trump, team in place could have made blame. this whole story different. Yeah, but but you know, Barr got that right, but he went a little too far and and effectively legitimized the election, and that is not so clear. I think it's one of these five or six elections in American history where you don't really know who won. I That's mean, what Molly maybe, uh, you Biden won. I don't know if he really won. That was a good thing about Rig, Molly Hemingway's book. She said just what you did. She said that Sidney Powell and the Kraken and the, yeah. the Dominion yeah, computer, yeah. all of that weird stuff, it really hurt or obfuscated the truth that the voting laws were improperly changed in March and April by, yeah. you know, court order or bureaucratic fiat and they were the domain of the state legislatures and then we had that molly ball time brag yeah. braggadocio yeah. remember that this was yeah. a conspiracy where we yeah. we, we suppress we even got the blm and the antifa people to cool it down we got the corporate she was bragging about how powerful yeah. the silicon valley money had changed the election yeah the last thing for me is that that, that number forty two thousand, which i got out of the washington post Change yeah. forty two thousand votes yeah. in Michigan. Uh, my my number was one hundred one hundred two million, one hundred two million mail in mail in dollars. Even I mean, even with all that we know, I mean, all the just you know errors, mistakes, you know, quite apart from. But anyway, I guess I guess Kamala told us that for fight for freedom goes on in America as it does in Ukraine. So she's got us. She's got us. Uh, 
All right, so that does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of this show, go to thebillbennettshow.com. Uh, you can follow Bill on Twitter at William J. Bennett. Uh, you can like the show on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I check those emails, try to respond back to as many as possible, uh, and we try to read them uh, on the show. Uh, we've got a lot to get to, and I promise you we'll get to them at some point. Uh, it's billbennettpodcast at gmail.com. Please share this podcast with your family and friends. The show is growing by the week, uh, and we'll catch up next week. <laughs>